It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Trevor Turnbull. He's the owner of LinkedIn to Leads. He's an online reputation strategist, LinkedIn trainer, and keynote speaker, and also owner of the 30-Day Sales Machine program. Trevor, welcome to Accelerate. Andy, thanks very much for uh, asking me to be on. Oh, it's my pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. So take a minute, introduce yourself beyond that little sketchy intro I gave. <laughs> sure, yeah. So as you mentioned, I am the owner of a company called LinkedIn to Leads. It's my agency. I'm actually based in Vancouver. Uh, surprisingly enough, though, I'd say 98% of our clients are actually outside of Vancouver. It's a truly digital, um, you know, virtual company that we have. We do lead generation for clients around using LinkedIn to find, to find those cold leads, turn them into warm prospects, and ultimately more clients for their business. And we do that by uh, ultimately training our clients to understand our process through our training program called 30 Day Sales Machine, knowing full well that some of our, our members don't ever want to do the work, so they actually end up hiring us, us in the end. But you know, I've just been in the, the LinkedIn space for a number of years. I've been doing this for about nine years now. And my LinkedIn influence program as well is another one that we created about five, six years ago. We've had about 20,000 people go through that one. It's really geared towards the job seeker and the, you know, from a personal branding standpoint, that type of thing. So yeah, I live, eat and breathe LinkedIn every single day. This is all we do. All right. So what did you think when Microsoft acquired LinkedIn or made the, the offer? I guess it's not closed uh, yet. Well, yeah, well, you know, it's the same thing that I always think. All right, this sounds good. There's going to be change, but there's always change. Every, that's the name of the game with this. In fact, it's it's kind of why my business is thriving, because it's never static. It's also one of the frustrating parts of doing what I do is that it's always changing. But at the same time, with change comes opportunity. There's nothing ever that closes completely that that squashes opportunity. It's just, you know, if they take away a feature, they bring something else new in that creates opportunity for a short time period. So well, it's all good. that seems to have been one of the frustrations with LinkedIn though, is that there's sort oh, yeah. of this unpredictability, inconsistency. Oh yeah. You know, is is it a, what is this? Is it a sales tool? Is it not a sales tool? Is it so so sure. from your perspective, mm-hmm. somebody that's you know waist deep in or up to your armpits on it all day after day after day, you know, what do you sort of see coming? Do you see some you know attempts to sort of rationalize the way the product is structured, maybe how it works with or doesn't work with CRM packages. I mean, what do you see coming for salespeople? Well, forever LinkedIn has wanted to be a true, you know, sales CRM. And especially with their sales navigator tool, they've attempted to kind of, you know, be the one-stop shop for that. And I know they've, they've, uh, you know, made a really strong push to actually have sales teams out there pitching and selling their sales navigator program. And it's been slow to adoption just because people are used to using their own CRMs and they want to integrate it with sales navigator. And of course nothing does. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and if it does though, like Salesforce, there's still some ties in there or there used to be, uh, yeah, but it's such a closed if, environment. Is it, is it's ever going to be, be open? And it's super expensive if you want to go down that path. Right. Sure. So like, I actually really make a good living because I'm able to be completely independent. I don't work for LinkedIn. I don't, 
you know, sell their programs or anything like that. I just look at it as a tool, a massive database of opportunities where then you need to implement practical solutions to be able to get in front of your target audience on a consistent basis, build relationships and and close more business over time. Because with my strategies that I teach, I don't ever claim to shorten a person's sales cycle. If it takes you six weeks or six months or a year to close a deal, I'm not going to shorten that. But what we can do is put you in front of the right person at the right time using a tool like LinkedIn where you might never other in any other way be able to get in touch with that person. So well, I, think that's, it's, I think that's sort of interesting. And I sort of noticed that when I was reading your blogs and looking at your materials in preparation for this interview is that that for a LinkedIn expert, you sound a lot like a traditional sales guy. <laughs> well, that's my background, right? I, I actually have a university degree in marketing and then never used that degree. I went straight into sales in 2003. And I learned the old school way. I was taught by a very traditional sales manager who said, here's the Yellow Pages book, start making phone calls. And I did that for years and, and was successful at it too. But the times have changed. And quite frankly, I hit a wall about three or four years into doing that. And I said, there just has to be a better way. I discovered LinkedIn in 2009. And, you know, ever since then, I've been trying to figure out how to use it most effectively to warm up those calls so that you're not having to make cold calls again. Yeah. I mean, you had written an article saying that you don't need more leads to close more sales. And mm, yeah. <laughs> again, I, I thought it was interesting coming from a LinkedIn expert because quite <laughs> frankly, you know, some of your, your peers and sort of let's call it the, the LinkedIn ecosystem of trainers and so on, you know, what have you sort of believe that, that it's not like it's really selling, right? <laughs> but yeah. But, you know, social selling has the word selling in it for a reason. I mean, it, it, you have to sell. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. And, you know, I, again, I think that's why more than because I've actually had opportunities to work very closely with LinkedIn and with different platforms and, and that type of thing. But I always have chosen to stay independent in this way because there's no one magic formula that works. But I, definitely in, in teaching people how to use LinkedIn, I, I teach it in a way that's very respectful in the way that you're reaching out and connecting with people. It should be a very human to human experience. And you do have to sell those still. Like, and that's why I wrote that article is because I find a lot of times people get caught up in generating the next lead. They always got to keep the pipeline filled and they don't focus on the people they've already spent time warming up, you Mm. know, and they lose those old school skills that are still important. Like, you know, phone calls and face to face meetings is how business is still done. So you can't avoid that. Exactly. You got to combine it. All right, well, let's, let's spend a few minutes talking about some of the most common mistakes you're seeing that sellers are still making with LinkedIn today, starting with with the profile. I mean, it seems hard to, <laughs> we have to still talk about this at you know nine years in or 10 years in, as you yeah. talked about, but uh, it just amazes me how many times I get connection requests from people that don't have pictures on their profiles and so on. And these are yeah people that aren't just you know some random person from some far off land that that's a student or something, but yeah, someone that's got a legitimate title and a legitimate background, and yet they don't have a profile picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's about the basics, as you say, is you know, make sure you get that good photo on there and it's professionally done and all that. But even beyond that, too, I find that the, people still look at LinkedIn like an online resume. They they pad it up with their past experience and their and their jobs and their employments, or sorry, their education, but the end of the day, the person that's looking at their profile does not care about that person. They want to know, how can you help me do my job better? Or how can you help me save money or be more efficient at what I do? So just by changing the tone of the way that you communicate on your LinkedIn profile, 
could make a huge impact on capturing that person's attention where in today's day and age, what do you have? Six seconds, if that, to Mm -hmm. actually capture somebody's attention. So we actually teach to be laser focused when you do campaigns with LinkedIn. So even if you sell whatever, insurance or cars or it doesn't matter, if you are being specific to one type of person, one industry, one role type in your headline, in your summary, that's what speaks to that person, not I'm the jack of all trades and I work with every industry out there because that doesn't resonate. You're just another person in a big pond, right? You're another fish in a big big pond. So, yeah, you're talking about the title, the headline, as yeah. well as the summary, I imagine. Because I, I suspect yep. people probably don't get much beyond that. I mean, yeah, you, no. can have, you can have your resume in there, but to your point, I don't think people really care. No, the rest of it's complimentary, right? Any kind of media you can add in that supports what you're talking about or recommendations and that type of thing. That's all good to have. But yeah, you're right. Like the summary is about as far down as people go. And again, my advice is always to address address the person that you're trying to get in touch with directly in your the way that you write it. And also talk about pain points because you want that person to read it and go, oh, that's me. I need to talk to this person because they just identified me and every pain point I have, it sounds like they can solve it. Okay. Now, the other thing that seems to be a trend and just sort of, you know, basic common mistake, and and we'll touch on this again as we get further into the, the talk today, but yeah, I can tell when people are connecting with me just for the purpose of emailing me, <laughs> oftentimes yeah. in a way that is kind of spammy. So, two questions there. One is, is this starting to ruin LinkedIn a little bit through this increased you know, sort of proliferation of, of uh, I'll just call it spam, even though it's not you know, spam necessarily. But, uh, and what can you do to, you know, to outreach to someone in an authentic way? Yeah, well, it's, there's no doubt because of access to online trainings and a lot of people that are doing what I do, Uh, Some that are new to it, some that have been around for a long time. There's more and more people that are starting to use LinkedIn very proactively. But I still find that a lot of times people do it the wrong way, which again, you know, you already mentioned it before, but I don't advocate that you actually sell anything on LinkedIn. It's not what it's for. It's not a sales tool per se. It is just a piece of the puzzle that allows you to access the database that includes all the people that you want to connect with. Mm -hmm. Everything that we teach around connecting with people and even follow-up messages has nothing to do with sales. Unless, of course, you're in a specific type of uh, job role. Like, I'll give you a good example. I used to work in the sign business. I used to sell large illuminated signage. And my clientele was three types of people. It was architects, project managers with construction companies, and engineers. So, like, signs, company's name on the side of a building. Yeah, exactly. Big illuminated signage. Yeah. So I knew that those people likely wanted me to be able to bid on their projects. So it was it was a simple task of, hey, I sell signs. Do you need signs? Uh, happy to go onto a vendor list if I can. And and that's about as straightforward as you can get, right? Because most times those architects and everybody they're happy to just add another person to the list, but that's not everybody that uses LinkedIn. Most people, if they approach that way and say, hey, I do marketing consulting or, hey, I sell insurance. Do you need insurance? Of course, you're going to get ignored because you're one of thousands of people doing the same thing. Instead, you need to look at it with a longer term perspective. And that's where a lot of people get lost. And I don't know uh, if you or your uh, listeners follow Gary Vaynerchuk at Mm, all or not. I'm sure many do. I do. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And Gary always talks about, you know, being patient and and playing the long-term game. 
And you have to do this with LinkedIn too. LinkedIn is just another source. It's another tool to find the people that you want to connect with. But if you try and sell people on LinkedIn within one or two messages, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But if you can use it in a consistent way over time and build relationships and actually position yourself as an expert, there's an interesting stat that says that I think it's 50, uh, a buyer is 57% of the way through their buying decision before they ever reach out to a salesperson to have a discussion. Right. That comes from the CEB, the challenger salespeople. They, they yeah. come up with that data, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, your LinkedIn profile and then the media that links to a landing page that then puts a person on an email list that then introduces them to your podcast that then gets them to sign up for a webinar and then buy your product or service. That's the cycle now that people buy it. They do their research ahead of time. They don't even want to hear from you before that. So you have to take a look at LinkedIn as just another lead channel, another source medium to be able to get in front of the right people. And that's the really the most powerful part about it is that all of those people define exactly who they are. They fill out their profiles to tell you their role and their industry and their experience and everything else. And that's why it's so powerful. Okay. So sort of interesting to bring that up. So it's an investment. You have a program called the 30 day sales machine, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which sounds like very short term as opposed to being patient <laughs> yeah. long term. So yeah. tell us about that a little bit. So how are sure. you, how are you, how are you squaring those, those two things? Yeah, so the 30-day sales machine, we named it that instead of the 30-day LinkedIn machine because, again, we know that this is more about a full marketing mix, LinkedIn being the main source to be able to find the right people that you want to connect with. And the 30-day aspect to it is that I know myself and, and our members and people that you know watch our webinars and whatnot, too, they have... They like to do things in short spurts. So people will do execute a campaign for 30 days and then allow the opportunity for those replies to come back in. So we always do everything in 30-day cycles because typically, you know, if we run a LinkedIn campaign, we're identifying, say, up to 1,000 people that might be potential clients or referral partners or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Mm -hmm. And when sending connection requests to that many people, you can only really do up to 50 per day before you kind of hit limits on LinkedIn. That's kind of the max you can do. So to do 50 a day, it takes 20 business days to do that. And then the last 10 days of the month, you're replying to the responses that are coming in. So everything kind of ties into that 30-day concept. Now, some of our members that go through the training actually do see quick results because they happen to get in front of the right person at the right time. And that person says, I am looking for what you have to offer. What great timing. But it doesn't always work like that, you know? So we don't ever claim that you're guaranteed to get results. What we do claim is that if you don't start now, you start in three months from now, you've missed out on opportunities to at least create that awareness that your products and services do exist and, of course, stay ahead of your competition. Mm-hmm. Well, let's walk through the program a little bit. So you, st- you start with setting the foundation, which I thought was really interesting in that you <laughs> really get down to the detail about email and other settings in LinkedIn that I think most people probably really ignore. Yeah. So yeah, the foundational part that we get into at the beginning is really necessary so that you don't get overwhelmed as to what you're trying to accomplish and and how you can manage it effectively. Because yeah, we, we recommend that people set up a dedicated email for LinkedIn so you can filter all the messages that come back to it. Uh, it ends up in one inbox. Otherwise, it's just info overload. The interface of LinkedIn is not very great for searching and, ta- and you know tagging and creating folders. You just can't do that. So you need another way to uh, 
organize all that stuff. So we make sure that people, when they get started, they have the foundation set up to be able to manage uh, an effective campaign once it starts to scale because everybody's busy. So to add, you know, hours worth of work on their day is just not realistic. You need you need a way to manage it effectively. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just interviewing Jill Conrath, uh, and by the time this episode airs, the, her interview will have aired and and about her new book, which is yeah, how do you gain hours in your day as opposed to mm-hmm. how do you spend more hours in your day? Um, For sure. Now, one of the things that you talked about in terms of developing your target audience and goals is yeah, hey. The premises, your prospects are already on LinkedIn. You need to have conversations where they're having conversations. So you're talking about joining the groups they belong to. And I think, again, yeah. you hear this you hear this in every you know, speaker about LinkedIn. This is so important, but so few people actually do it. For sure, yeah. Uh, many times people will look on LinkedIn for groups of their peers because that's what naturally seems normal to do. You know, if you're in tech sales, for example, you're going to go and join all the groups that are for tech salespeople, which makes sense. Like, you know, from a personal development standpoint, professional development standpoint, uh, it's good to surround yourself with your peers and everybody that's training around best practices and what you do, but your clients aren't there. Your, your competition is. <laughs> so why spend any time or join those groups exclusively and instead, you know, and not join the ones where your clients might be? Um, now there's a way to go about doing that. We actually teach people how to request to get into these groups and then follow up with the administrators of those groups because they're no longer open. You can't just join a group, uh, on LinkedIn. You have to request to join every single group that's Mm -hmm. available Mm -hmm. in the public domain. So, you know, it's a really simple strategy. We just teach people, just reach out to the admin and and tell them genuinely why you want to join. And uh, hopefully it's obviously not to spam their members and try and solicit them constantly, but instead to offer value. And that's where the challenge is, is you got to figure out what can you offer a value to your potential clients that makes them look at you as somebody that they can trust and that knows their stuff. Now, have some of the groups, so with the the closed groups now, have they been able to sort of reduce the volume of of spam that's in in the, uh, the conversations? Yeah, and then to be perfectly honest, the groups... Since they did that, it become a lot more vetted and not super valuable to really be engaging in on a daily basis. There, There is some value there still, of course. If you can post content consistently, there's emails that go out as like daily digests or weekly digests to the members, mm-hmm. which creates opportunity for your profile photo and the article that you're writing or sharing to get in front of that person. And again, it's just another touch point, right? The more you can put your face and and some something related to what your expertise is in front of somebody, uh, the more familiar you become to them. But yeah, there's no doubt it cut down on it. In fact, I manage a uh, a LinkedIn group called the Sports Industry Network. I'm not actively managing it anymore because uh, I, I don't really work on that side of my business as much anymore. But we have over 200,000 members in that group, and there is thousands of posts every single day. And I guarantee you, they, you know, 90% of them get overlooked, but those people are now connected to each other within a common area where, you know, especially for the job seekers, like you want to get a job in sports, join the sports industry network group on LinkedIn, because everybody that you want to get hired by or position yourself in front of as somebody that is passionate about sports marketing or whatever it might be, they're in that group. So what a great lead source to be able to find the right people to connect with. And they have to contact you to get in. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and from a group owner perspective, it's really overwhelming, especially when you get to that kind of volume. 
um, it almost becomes like a, a, a part-time job for somebody on my team to manage the requests of people joining that group. But, you know, there could be worse things that a person could have aside from building a 200,000 person group. So it's, it's not a bad thing by any means. Not but, a bad audience at all, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So, so further in the 30-day sales machine is, is uh, using saved searches and other techniques to, to build your, your target prospect list. So, yes. again, a lot of people right, aren't, again, aren't aware that you can use, use saved searches on LinkedIn. Why don't you talk about that for a second? Sure. Yeah. So when we when we tell people to set up their LinkedIn campaigns and they get really defined and specific about their niche, like say recruiters, for example, I speak with the re- recruiters a lot that you know they'll they'll do placements in the tech industry, in healthcare, in whatever manufacturing, IT, all these different things. And when they do a LinkedIn campaign, they try and be everything to everybody instead of focusing on one specific area. So if we, if we narrow down to say healthcare, there's a lot of healthcare groups out there where potential employees and potential, uh, employers are both in those groups. And of course you can save searches within LinkedIn. If you really define your searches to say, you know, 500 to a thousand people, you can actually pull those up and then run different tools to automate the process of viewing profiles along the way too. And that gets you laser focused again, where, you know, if you do tweak your profile to say, I specialize in placements for the medical industry, or I specialize in working with uh, medical startups that are looking for top talent to grow their business. Now, every touch point of what you do, them looking at your profile and seeing your connection request and your follow up message and all your supporting materials is all about one thing, which is relevant to them. And that is what separates you from the competition. So you said there were tools to automate profile viewing? There is, yeah. There's, there's a number of tools that are out there that you can use in that capacity. Um, and the reason know, I ask is because you know, one of the, the tactics you talk about is to build awareness, is to go view people's profiles thinking that they're going to view you back, right? Absolutely, yeah. Because it's, it's one of the things that separates LinkedIn from all other social accounts is that you can actually see who's looking at you. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of times people don't, uh, take advantage of that. They don't see that as an opportunity to really get very targeted and have the right people looking at you. And therefore, when you're reaching out, you're reaching out to relevant people, not just people that randomly happen to have come across your profile. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think that one's overlooked quite a bit <laughs> is for sure to get people to view you, go view them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's definitely the most powerful feature of LinkedIn and by far the most popular. People love looking at that section just to see who's checking them out. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I bet you 99% of people don't ever respond to them, though. They just go, oh, this person looked at me. I wonder what they want. And then they don't do anything about it. So being proactive about that and knowing what to say, that's half the battle, right? Is, well, you know, so let's talk about that because sure. this is this is what I brought up earlier in the conversation is, is you know, the... <laughs> The sixth sense when somebody requests a connection, I said, I know within a day I'm going to get an email from this person via LinkedIn. Sometimes it's two days, but invariably, yeah. I'm right on. So, yeah. so, so there are two types of messages, let's say one for a connection request that doesn't yeah. set the, the spine tingling and, and follow-up messages. So what's the, what's the key to a good connection request? Sure. Well, th- what I like to call it is actually the permission method. So there's 
a basic template when you choose to connect with somebody on LinkedIn that says, um, let me actually just pull it up. I always forget exactly what it says, but I've got it right here. Oh yeah. I'd like to add you to my professional network on LinkedIn and then your name, right? So it doesn't address them by name. It's very impersonal. It's like everything else. That's the standard one, basically. That's the standard one. Yeah. And in fact, if you send that one now, the way it shows up in a person's inbox as, as a, uh, incoming request in their LinkedIn account it doesn't even show any kind of message. It just sends it to them and doesn't show that message even. So it's even more useless. Mm. So what we, what I recommend to do is, is to customize that message, but very simply though, like it doesn't need to be much. In fact, you only have 300 characters to work with, but I'll read one out to you for an example. So, you know, thank you for visiting my profile. If you're doing this in trying to connect with people that look at you, you acknowledge, first of all, that you notice that they looked at your profile. You might even say that, hey, I noticed you looked at my profile after I looked at yours. It depends on your comfort level of how you want to address that. But secondly, I'm looking to expand my network in the blank space here in blank, wherever that might be. So nonprofit space in Vancouver or you know, tech space in San Francisco or whatever it might be. So again, it's very general. It's just about networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some value there, obviously, in growing your network. Hopefully, the person on the other end sees that value too. And then thirdly, this is the permission method, which is, would you be open to connecting on LinkedIn? And it's so subtle, but it's asking for permission to connect instead of assuming that the person will connect with you. And we've sent thousands of connection requests ourselves for our clients, and easily this gets us 60% higher response rates consistently. And it's such a subtle little tiny thing. And you know, when I tell people this on webinars, they go and do it, and they're just shocked as to how much better the response rates are by just tweaking that one little line. Okay, so now then the follow-up message. Yeah, the follow-up message. So what we actually teach is is another kind of two-step process. One would be when you notice that the person actually accepts the connection request, follow up with a quick one that doesn't ask for anything, doesn't sell anything, just literally says, hey, great to have you in my network. Uh, I look forward to sharing ideas. If there's anybody I can help connect you with, uh, don't hesitate to ask. That's it. Just be true to the word of what you actually requested in your connection request. Don't try and sell anything. Don't be pushy. Don't, you know, offer to help, offer value. And then, as you said, and there is a there is a formula to this, you know, within two to four days type thing, you do want to follow up again, especially if you're trying to get the conversation started with that person. The two main methods that we recommend one I already discussed, which is the sell method. So it's, you know, I sell signs. You're an architect. I know you need what I sell. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I sell signs. Do you need this? Nothing wrong with doing that, especially if you're in a very, you know, widgetized type mm-hmm. of a business, right? Um, but most people are, you know, service-based. And if you approach somebody like that, like, hey, I do web design. If you ever need any web design, give me a call. You're not going to get a response from that unless the timing is absolutely perfect and they and they need something like that. But that's very rare, right? People don't want to be sold to that way. So we actually use what's called an ask method. And there's there's programs out there actually that speak to this. We've been using this strategy for, for years now, but uh, just put a name to it actually. And how what it refers to is just start to open up the conversation of addressing pain points of that person. Because that's what's going to allow you to start to get a conversation going. So address, you know, hey, I'm, I'm. Uh, thanks for connecting with me. Uh, I looked at your profile. Looks like you're doing some great work. 
And uh, I'm looking to get some feedback from, you know, decision makers like yourself on challenges that they're facing with. And I'll use the bookkeeping example again. So, you know, uh, here's some of the issues I'm hearing commonly from your peers on bookkeeping. So bookkeeping is a manual process, uh, very time consuming. Uh, there's a high turnover rate of bookkeepers. Mm-hmm, it's hard mm-hmm. to good, keep good ones on staff. Does any of this resonate with you? Uh, or is there something else that keeps you up at night? It's an open-ended question. It allows the person the opportunity to go, yes, I do actually have that issue, and I'm glad you asked, and here's my feedback. Um, another aspect of this, too, is we'll, if you're willing to go a step further, you can even say, you know what, I'm writing an article on this topic, and I'd love to get your professional opinion so that I can include it in my article. Mm-hmm. I used to do this when, um, when I was writing for Entrepreneur Online. I would actually ask people their feedback on certain things, and then I could use some of the statistics of the feedback that I got in my articles, right? right. And it becomes such a great draw for people to answer too, because they're like, oh, I'd love to be, you know, quoted in an article on entrepreneurs. So sure, of course I'll answer your questions, right? And again, it all ties back to expertise. You're trying to position yourself as the person that they can trust, because how else do you separate yourself when you sell insurance as as an insurance salesperson? You can't. Everybody sells essentially the same thing. Right. So you have to have some other way to position yourself as the one person that they want to deal with. Great advice. Great advice. Yeah. Um, Trevor, we've got some standard questions. I ask all my guests here in the last segment of the show. And uh, if you're ready, I'll, I'll throw them at you here. Well, let's do it. Fire all away. Right. All right. So the first one's a hypothetical scenario. And in this hypothetical scenario, you, Trevor, have just been hired as the VP of sales by a company whose sales have stalled out. And the board, the CEO, anxious to hit the reset button, get everything back on track. So your first week on the job. What two things could you do that could have the biggest impact? Well, I am obviously a big advocate for social selling and LinkedIn. So the first thing that I would do, obviously, is implement a strategy for outreach using LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems like a pretty straight, straightforward, obvious answer coming from me. But yes. I know for sure that if I'm coming into a company, I'll bet you, you know, a good percentage of companies are still not fully leveraging this tool. And a lot of this, like a lot of the foundational start is very stuff is very important when starting with LinkedIn. So getting a good company page up that speaks to what the company is all about, um, making sure all the employees and the staff are consistent with what their profiles say too, mm-hmm. and that all connected, mm-hmm. and that you're and that you're supporting the sales team to actually give them the tools that they need to go and position themselves as those thought leaders in their industry. So I would implement those types of things because not only do they help in the long term, but you can see some very uh, quick turnarounds as well, where if you do it now, it's not too late. Like you haven't missed the boat by starting to implement these strategies right now. In fact, you'll probably be ahead of your competition. So that would definitely be the first thing that I would do Mm -hmm. uh, moving in with a new company. Okay, perfect. Loved it. All right. So some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or elaborate. And the first one is when you, Trevor, are out selling your own services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Oh, wow. I would say authenticity. I'm I'm an open book. If you Mm -hmm. Google my name or you look at my profiles, you'll see that I'm a genuinely uh, 
good person that's that's <laughs> in this to help other people and overly polite of course because i'm canadian because and that's canadian, just how of course, right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, that's definitely it it's just i'm off, i'm authentic I, I pride myself on being very transparent and authentic with who i am because i i end up attracting the kind of people that i want to work with right. not the ones that that i know i can't help okay perfect next question who's your sales role model it's not one person in particular, to be honest. I I follow a number of people online. Um, I can even throw a few names at you. Sure. Uh, Grant Cardone would yep. be one mm-hmm. from from a, a certain aspect. Like like I say, I I don't adhere to one particular philosophy, but mm-hmm. I really like Grant because he's the kind of guy that uh, keeps you motivated and keeps reminding you that you know what nobody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to step up and wake up every day and, and go and do this. And, and for the right reasons, too, for your family, for, for your own livelihood and, and living the kind of life you want to live and the impact you want to leave. So Grant would be one. Uh, Eric Lofholm is another individual that I actually work very closely with. Eric's philosophies on sales scripting and, and approaching things from a very, you know, I'll use the same words, authentic, uh, truthful way. I, I really like the way that he approaches things and we use a lot of his training in our programs. And yeah, there, there's really a lot of different people. I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk already too. Like Gary's great for motivation, but he's also really great at being truthful. You know, I think that I don't try to sell to everybody there. I know that there's a lot of people out there that might not resonate with the way that I teach, Mm -hmm. but there is a lot that do too. And it's a really big world out there. And I'm more interested in helping the people that really want to buy into what, what I'm selling and, and how I can help their business. And the rest of it, it's life's too short. I get to leave that behind. <laughs> right, I agree. Okay. Uh, what's one book every salesperson should read? Oh, what is one book that every salesperson should read? You know what? I'm going to mention Eric here again because I'm such a fan of this book sure. that he wrote here recently. It's called Sales Scripting Mastery. It's uh, uh, the subtitle on this is the seven step system for consistently delivering successful sales presentations. It's a lot of S's in there, but it is really great, especially for what we teach too, because everything that we teach is all about scripting and the way that your messaging gets delivered, right? And the timing of it. And, and how's you know, Eric, how's Eric spell his last name? Lawholm, L-O-F-H-O-L-M. Okay. Yeah, easy to find him when you just do a Google search. He's written dozens of books, a um, number of them bestsellers. And this Sales Scripting Mastery is a newer one. It's one that I recommend to all of our members of our 30-day sales machine. Mm-hmm. In fact, give away this as prizes constantly to our members, so we'll ship them out copies of this book because, like I say, it's such a compliment to what we already do. Okay, excellent. Good. Definitely going to check that out. It's on the list. And last question for you is what music is on your playlist these days? Holy man. You know what? I don't even listen to that much music, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but you know what? I do have, uh, I have a YouTube. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of favoriting my favorite songs as they come up. So let me pull it up right now. I'll tell you exactly what is on here right now. Usually it's chill music. Like I'm about to head to Thailand here in a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. it's a bit, check out for a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's any kind of music that, you know, reminds me of the beach. I'm going to go with Bob Marley. Anything Bob Marley at this point right now is what gets me into a chill mindset. Bob it Marley. allows me to work too. So, all right, perfect. Love it. All right. Well, great. Well, Trevor, thanks for joining me today and tell the audience how they can find out more about you. 
Sure. Well, you can just Google my name, of course, Trevor Turnbull, T-U-R-N-B-U-L-L, and you'll find everything you need to know about me. You can find me on my website at the same name. Um, and then of course, if you want to check out all the trainings we have on LinkedIn, just go to linkedinleads.com. There's a variety of, uh, free stuff, free trainings, uh, tips. We do webinars on a frequent basis. And then of course you can go to 30daysalesmachine.com if you want to learn more about our program and how it works and how you might get involved with us on, uh, in helping turn those cold leads into warm prospects and more clients for your business. That is our goal in helping every single client that we work with. So Thanks again for your time. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you. And remember, friends, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us today. And remember, make it part of your daily routine to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that is take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Trevor Turnbull, who shared his expertise on how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com. 